The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. What progress are you making on this journey toward heaven? This is not an intellectual question. It's a practical question. What progress are you making, real, measurable progress, are you making toward the kingdom of God? I'd love to hear from some of you today in terms of just testimony. What progress are you making? Is there real progress being made in your life as you follow after Jesus? I spoke with a man early this morning. He's walking in sin before God. He's walking in deliberate rebellion. And as I spoke with him, it became very apparent that this man is only concerned with what he can comfort himself with, what he can fill his heart with, what he can fill his life with. And so he'll use women to satisfy his emotional hunger. He'll use people He'll use Jesus to try to satisfy himself just as he would use a woman to satisfy himself, not necessarily involving fornication, but simply as an emotional support for him. I tried to talk with him about integrity, letting that seed of integrity be planted in his heart moving away from the sentimental desire to fill his heart with other things and other people, to be tough and stand in the name of Jesus and let integrity grow in his heart. Did you know integrity gives you strength of character? God has built that strength of character into me through very severe suffering and discipline, and day after day just standing, pastoring the church, speaking forthrightly to men and women in compassion and love about their condition before God, calling them to follow after Jesus, coming to this radio station and all that that involves, some five hours a day, coming to this radio station, speaking the Word of God. Some of you listen casually, but I want to tell you there is nothing casual about my coming to do this broadcast. I don't do it casually. It costs me too much. It costs me too much in time and energy. It costs me too much in terms of money. It costs me too much to be casual. So I come, and I'm very serious. The problem is, if you listen to this broadcast and you listen casually, you will never have the seed of integrity planted in your heart. I said to this man, it's time for you to grow up and get tough and strong and faithful and understand what the gospel is, and understand what the church is as it stands with its sword out in opposition to wickedness, in opposition to the world. It's time that we no longer be casual and laid back, but stand up. Stand up. It's very interesting to me in the story of Stephen. 
when Stephen is going to be stoned to death for his testimony of rebuke to these Sadducees and Pharisees. It says that Jesus was standing up at the throne of God. Well, what makes Jesus stand up at the throne of God? What makes Jesus stand up is when he sees a follower of his be faithful in testimony and faithful in life, tough and strong, built by the power of the blood of Jesus, built by something that is real, that you can get your teeth into. Most gospel teaching is soft and mushy and sentimental and not masculine in any manner. It's just a pushover. It's it's marshmallow talk. It's love, 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 love. Well, believe me, I love love. I want to be loved. I want to be cared for, and I want to love others and care for them. But believe me, the love I'm speaking of in my life has to be based on integrity. It has to be based on a foundation of reality, not on some whimsical sentimentalism. It has to be based on a rational understanding of the Word of God. It has to be based on something that is real in time and space and history. And so I come now today and I ask you very frankly, what progress are you making toward heaven? I'm not asking you, do you have warm, fuzzy feelings in your heart about Jesus? I'm asking you, do you have integrity in your life? Do you have principled love in your heart? Are you sacrificing yourself for the sake of the kingdom of God? Are you sacrificing your time and the money? Are you sacrificing your energy for others and for the kingdom of heaven? Or is everything about you? There's another dear man who used to be a part of the National Prayer Chapel. The great difficulty I had with him was I could never get a word in edgewise. He just overflowed with words. He overflowed with his feelings. He overflowed with himself. It reminds me of the parable that I heard many years ago. A young man went to a great teacher, and he said, Teacher, would you teach me the ways of God? And the great teacher went over and took a teacup, handed it to the young man, and then he took the tea kettle and he began to pour that that hot tea into the teacup. And when the teacup was full, the great teacher kept pouring the tea into the cup until it was running over, and the young man said, wait, wait, it's running over. And the teacher said, If you want to learn the ways of God, go empty yourself. He said, you're so full of yourself, there's no room for God in your life. You're a consumer. You cannot be a consumer and learn about God because he is not a consumer. He is a producer. And the young man went away sorrowfully, full of himself. So I come today to this radio broadcast and ask you very frankly, what progress are you making toward the kingdom of God? Are you overflowing today with yourself, with your thoughts, with your beliefs, with your feelings? Are you overflowing with your ideology? Are you overflowing with your religion and with your religious experience? Or are you willing to lay aside your own desires and learn about the way of the cross 
and learn how a man is made righteous. Does that interest you? Are you interested in how a man or woman can be made righteous in Jesus Christ? How you can walk with integrity and strength and power in the name of Jesus Christ? I'm kind of sick of milquetoast Christians, marshmallow Christians. The weather's not just right. If there's any activity going on, if there's any distraction, then they don't come to church. They don't read their Bibles. They don't pray. They're distracted by all the things of the world. And yet, as one man said, no, I didn't go to church Sunday. I I spent the day watching the football game. Really? Is that satisfying to your soul? To be a consumer of something that has absolutely no meaning for life? Are you a consumer today? Are you a consumer today? Or are you walking in the integrity and strength and power of Jesus Christ, a righteous man, a righteous woman, knowing that you are a valiant warrior for the sake of the cross of Jesus, loving and caring for others, sacrificing your time and your energy to lift up another. Are you making progress toward heaven? Our phone number in studio today is 877-534-0780. I'm Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. I'm very concerned today that we walk in the fullness of Jesus, that we not be deceived with shallow teaching and shallow talk. How is it in your life? This week I've been talking about how this whole gospel actually works, going into the nuts and bolts of salvation. I'm going to read more today from Pilgrim's Progress, edited by C.J. Lovick, uh, written, of course, by John Bunyan back in the 1600s as he sat in prison. He was a tough man. Not in the flesh, In the spirit, he was a tough man. He was a strong man. And I want you to be that, a strong man or a strong woman in Jesus Christ, walking in integrity, walking in power, walking in victory, not walking in sin. Christian addressed Hopeful, and he said, Come, my good Hopeful, I perceive that you and I must walk by ourselves again. So I saw in my dream that they went on ahead, and ignorance came hobbling after them. Then Christian said to his companion, I pity this poor man. It will not go well for him in the end. What a shame, Hopeful lamented. There is an abundance of people in our town in the same condition, entire families and even entire streets, and some are pilgrims. And if there are so many in our town, just think how many there are in other places and in the place where ignorance was born. Indeed, Christian added, the word says he has blinded their eyes lest they should see. But now that we are by ourselves, tell me, what do you think of such men? Do you think that they have ever felt the weight of conviction of their sin and the consequent fear that they might be in a dangerous state? And I have to ask you that question. Have you ever felt 
the true weight of conviction regarding your sin? Have you ever felt the consequent fear that you might be in a very dangerous state? If you have not felt that weight of conviction, then you are not saved. I heard a national leader say one time, I have always been a Christian. I was raised in a Christian home. I've always been a Christian, and so I've never felt conviction of sin because I've always been a Christian. I've been saved from the time I was a little child. I was always saved. And immediately a question came to my mind. If you've never been lost, how can you be saved? What do you save from? What do you save to? A man or woman who's never recognized their utterly lost condition before God cannot be saved. If you have simply a head knowledge, a sentimental love, or the outward cultural expression of your particular church or denomination, and you have never felt the deep vileness of your sin, and you have never repented, and you've never had the consequent fear of a holy God, then I can assure you today you've never been saved. You have simply lived under the illusion of salvation. But you're not saved. You've never been born again. You see, men and women are not born again without their knowing they've been born again. To be born again is a radical transformation of the life and the character. It is a total change. If you've never felt the conviction, if you've never felt your lostness, if you've never felt the consequent fear of being cast into hell, then you've never been saved. This is a very real issue for me because so many that I speak with are so confident that they are saved. They're so confident. Are you? Does your life measure up to the reality of your profession that you are saved? Do you love the things of God? Do you walk in holiness? Or do you love the things of darkness? Do you hang with the world and hang with God? Or are you sold out? Are you utterly, unashamedly sold out to Jesus Christ? Have you endured his discipline? Have you been pierced? The parasmus, the piercing. Have you endured the parasmus? the piercing by God. If you have not, then you are simply a cultural Christian. I would be generous if I said that 90% of Christians in America are just simply cultural, sentimental Christians, believing in the rituals, believing in their church doctrine, and believing that they're saved but their life does not give evidence of that salvation. How is it with you? Where are you in this process with Jesus? Are you making progress toward the kingdom of God? What is that progress in concrete terms? 
what is that what is that progress that you're making our phone number is 877-534-0780 hi mark welcome what would you like to share hi pastor how are you today good good um i just wanted to say you know it's um I, I honestly believe now that the progress that's being made in my life is that I actually have a belief that I can be righteous in front of God. That instead is progress. Just, instead of just the, the same caving. Yes. I, I realize that there might be a, 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 a stumble here and a stumble there, but there is, it is possible to live righteous with God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes. And for a long time, I did not necessarily understand that in a real sense in my life. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, um, when I first became a Christian, I, I don't have a standard story. When I, I, I became a Christian out of complete darkness, I was, I, I, I learned who Jesus was by reading the Word in, in prison. Yes. And, um... I remember being uh, frightened to death because I heard learned what the word retrobate meant. Because after I became a Christian, I didn't understand why I didn't instantly become good. Yes. And I still sinned. And it, it, I remember crying before God and laying on my face and begging him to take it all away from me. And it, it's just not that simple. Yes. I understand that it is a pilgrimage and a process that the Holy Spirit has to take you through. And I also realized that up until, even after upon my release from prison, which has been 20 years ago, until now I've dropped the ball to a big extent by allowing myself to just be like, well, you know, it's okay, nobody's perfect. It's okay, nobody's perfect. Whereas though the sense is not that, through the power of the Spirit, I honestly believe we can live righteous now and not to be discouraged anymore. And that's such good news, Mark. And that's the glory of God. Yes. That passage in Hebrews 9 that I used um, yesterday is so powerful for me that Jesus came to destroy sin and to lift it up off our lives. Yes, sir. I, I don't know if that's the... I don't know if that's the... Some people you talk about being prayed through and they come through automatically. I did not personally experience that. Yes, it's been. I, I've, I wish that would have been the case because I wouldn't have wasted so much time in my life. But then again, I, I guess I wouldn't understand the richness as much as I do. Or would it's just uh, he has different plans for different people? I guess. But but you know what, Mark? Part of it is that you were never taught that you could come through. We have, to be, we have to understand that we can come through and that we can use these promises of God to access and participate in the divine nature. And if we've never been taught that, we're going to take quite a bit of time to get through. And, and I'm at this point in my life, I wish that when I was a young man, someone would have said to me, look, you can have victory over your sin. Jesus will do it all. I wish somebody had taught me that. Yeah, and explain to you the that, the process in which he does it a little yes. like you, you know, the way you're getting into the nuts and bolts of salvation. I, I found you're so I, I listen all the time. I spoke to you before. I don't know if you remember. I remember you, Mark. I um I find this show to be a lifeline, and you to be a, a servant of God, and I appreciate you. And um, I, I will say prayers for your ministry, sir. I don't want to take up all your time. Mark, thank you. God bless you today. God bless you, too. Bye. Bye. I'm greatly encouraged that Mark is bearing testimony of the progress he is making in finally understanding the reality that salvation from first to last is from Jesus, but that salvation isn't simply a covering of wickedness, But Jesus also comes and makes us righteous. And Mark is getting a hold of that in his life. Are you getting a hold of that as well? Do you have a similar testimony to Mark's? If you do, you're welcome to call. I'd love to hear. Or if you're in the throes of 
Okay, how do I how do I get a hold of this victory? I'm I'm missing something. I've tried as hard as I can and I can't get there. Then you're welcome to call 877-534-0780. And it is a pilgrimage. It is a pilgrimage. But it's a pilgrimage of victory and not defeat. Christian answers, I believe that they may sometimes come under the conviction of sin, but naturally ignorant. They do not understand that such conviction is for their good. Therefore, they desperately seek to stifle the conviction and presumptuously continue to flatter themselves that their way of thinking is okay and correct. Again, our phone number is 877-534-0780. Hi, welcome. What would you like to share? Hi, Pastor Ray. This is Zach. Hi, Zach. Uh, Just to reiterate what the gentleman previously, Mark, just conveyed, that righteousness from Jesus Christ uh, enables us to be overcomers. Yes. And he's right. We will not be perfect, but if we're not convicted, as you were saying earlier, then there's something wrong with our walk. We we have to uh, almost beg. Uh, if there's no conviction from uh, a life of darkness, then... We don't have a relationship anywhere with God. And a relationship with God is the most important relationship we have. Yes, it is, Zach. And so when we go into the world, uh, we have to present that righteousness to Jesus. That's the blood that, uh, that he shed for us. That's how we can stand, having done all to stand. It, we cannot stand, according to Ephesians chapter 6, with the whole armor of God. Uh, number one, if we don't understand that he died, bled, bled died, and uh, rose from the dead, and gave us a victory so we, we could be seated with him in heavenly places. But see, the key that you just said was he gave us the victory. It's not just his victory. He gives us his victory and in the power of the Spirit, we walk clean before Him. And frankly, I think that many people, Zach, have not been taught this. And so this they're hearing something new. And I, I, th- I, go I ahead. think it's true because I want to commend you also. Uh, about a year ago, I started listening to you, and I didn't think it was possible to walk clean, and then I, I couldn't turn you off because you made too much logical sense. And the more I listened to you, the more real God's Word became. Yes. And I just want to uh, encourage you in your walk with God uh, and using this radio station to reach people that uh, it's, it is a serious endeavor because it involves money, and uh, that's the way the world is created through, uh, you know, world now, goes round of money anyway. Now, Zach, are you beginning to see in your life that you're walking in victory? Definitely. Yes. I'm, I'm not going to say I'm perfect in, in myself, because when I don't hold on to the righteousness of Jesus Christ... Oh, there is no perfection outside of Jesus. Yeah, if I get out of... If I take my, my garment off, which is, God forbid, you know, yeah, you want to the righteousness of Christ. There is no perfection without the righteousness of Jesus. Yeah, if, if you take off the garment of Jesus Christ... You're going to get filthy. Exactly. He'll clean you again, but you have to go through that process, and it's uh, it's difficult. Yes, it's a dying. Because you have to go back into his presence and repent, and, you know, and he does for, receive us again, but... It's it's a matter of keeping the garment of his righteousness on. Yes. 24-7. And walking clean in that. And not taking it off. Yes. And then you can walk clean, not your righteousness. No. But it's to the glory of God. That's why in, in Revelation, we see 
the 24 elders catching their crowns before God. Yes. Because it's not their righteousness. Zach, what you're saying now is so important, and I want to highlight it if you don't mind. This righteousness that Jesus brings to us is his righteousness. It's not going to be our righteousness. It is his. We belong to him. He comes and dwells in us, and we are then made righteous because Jesus dwells in us. And if we think it's our righteousness and we walk away from Jesus, we lose it all. This righteousness is only from and through Jesus Christ. And perfection, according to John Wesley, was a complete expression of love. Mm. That's his definition of perfection. We come with this simple Greek definition of perfection, which says, if I miss this tiny little minuscule piece of dust, I'm not perfect. That's not the Hebrew understanding of perfection. Hebrew understanding is a holistic understanding, and Wesley had it correct. Love is the fulfillment of the law. It's a freeing thing to walk clean with God. Yes, to wake up in the morning and not have a dirty taste in your mouth. And and not to... uh... And, and not to be separated from it. And not to have condemnation hanging over your head. And if you don't know you have condemnation, you're not saved. Yes. If you don't feel convicted of God, you're not saved. Yes. If the Word of God, which is the most real thing we have, other than the Spirit of God, telling us about the Word of God, they're interchangeable. Yes. The Word of God is the most real thing we can, we can read, and that confirms the, where the darkness is, and we need to flee darkness. Yes. We need to back up, and slowly, you know, you see sometimes people backing away from something dangerous, because they know it's dangerous. Well, in the world, darkness is danger. Yes. And that will cause us to be separated from God. Yes. So the light, do not hide your light under a bushel. Do not even sin for a moment. Yes. Thinking that, oh, uh, grace will abound. You know, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, is what Paul said. No, and he says in in Titus that the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Yes. So if that grace is a blanket that covers over your sin and comforts you in your sin, it's not the grace of God, it's the grace of the devil. That's what's called vampirism. Yes. Where you're using, you're using God. Yes. It's the ultimate usury. Yes. To use God. God will allow it, but he will also make you pay during the day of judgment. You'll you, be, cannot, you cannot do that. No, you'll be cast into hell for that. That, that is a very dangerous lifestyle, because you want to live temporarily. Yes. Temporarily is uh, not a very smart way of living. No, it's not. Zach, I need to move on. Here. God bless you, brother. God Good bless. to hear from you. Yes, thanks. Bye. Bye. Our phone number is 877-534-0780. I'm just sensing as I... As I'm listening in the spirit today, that that some of you do come under conviction of sin, but because you've never been taught that you can be righteous before God, you comfort yourself in that conscience-stricken situation. You stifle your conscience and you continue to flatter yourself that your way of thinking is correct, you don't have anything to worry about, you're saved, you're on your way to heaven, and that nobody's perfect, and you're doing the best you can do, and that's all you can do. Today I want to disabuse you of that understanding of the gospel. And I want to take you directly into the Scriptures. We're going to go first to Romans, the third chapter. 
Romans, the third chapter, I'd like to read for you in response to a question that I was asked, is the gospel free? Or are there strings attached to the gospel? Is the gospel a free gift? Let me read it for you. Romans, the third chapter, verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be made righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. But now a righteousness or an innocence from God, apart from the law, has been made known to which law and prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith. And, and, and let's stop very quickly and let me give definitions for words so that you'll understand what I'm saying to you. Faith in the Old Testament means fidelity to or loyalty to. Faith in the Greek is translated and means a a slightly different thing. It means to be absolutely convinced of. So he's saying this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ. So it comes through fidelity, loyalty to Jesus. It comes through being absolutely convinced that Jesus will do what he's promised he would do. Now, one of the promises he's made to us, and I shared it with you yesterday out of Hebrews, the ninth chapter, is that Jesus came to destroy all sin. He came to destroy the work of the devil. He came to lift the sin off your life. That only can happen by loyalty and fidelity, by being absolutely persuaded that Jesus Christ has the power to do this. As long as you are wavering in your heart and saying, I don't think a man can live clean before God. I don't think it's possible for me to live without sin. As long as you cling to that false position, you are not walking in faith. You have to walk in faith, in absolute loyalty, fidelity, believing in Jesus and trusting him to do the work that he's promised he would do. Now let me read on. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. The whole meaning of this sentence again hangs on the definition of justification, dikasune. If we interpret it in the old covenant sense, then we are saying that we are forgiven for past, present, and future sins freely by his grace. That's an old covenant legalistic translation. If, however, we stand in the new covenant, then it must be translated according to its literal meaning, which is rendered innocent. In other words, a process is put in place that will make you innocent, that will make you righteous. You know how you render meat. You put it on the stove and you boil it, and you scoop off the fat. Well, the Lord's Prayer says, pray that you will not enter into temptation. The word temptation is parasmus in the Greek, which literally means piercing. I could well say, he's saying, look, ask that you not be put on the fire and rendered, because it's very painful. 
but truth be known, every one of us has to be rendered. And it is the the Hebrews 12 passages that talk about the discipline of God, the hardships of life that are literally the discipline of God. One dear woman, angry because the people upstairs are making too much noise. A dear brother, upset because a group of people moved in above him that play musical instruments. They have a band, and so off they go on their rock and roll sounds. Or construction outside starting way early before it's supposed to start, and it wakens you in the morning. Your boss treating you poorly. Someone getting angry at you when you're innocent. All of these things are, are hardships that we all endure, and Jesus is saying, accept these hardships as discipline. Be trained by them. So when somebody jostles against you, you find out what slops out of you. Anger, bitterness, malice, judgments. When someone tries to be seductive toward you, you learn what is drawn out of you. Fornication, drug abuse, all manner of wickedness. Someone puts you in a hard place, and it looks like you need to save yourself. Do you lie? Do you cheat? Do you steal? These hardships are meant to show us what is happening inside of our heart that we could confess and repent and be made clean. It says we are justified freely by his grace. And of course, again, the word justified means to be made righteous. It's an old English word. It means to be made righteous. But the literal Greek word means to be rendered righteous or to be rendered innocent, to go through the fire. That fire includes deep conviction of sin, a casting down of everything of darkness, a cutting off of all ties of wickedness, made righteous freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Now if we go to another passage of Scripture, chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, Since we have been justified, it should literally be translated, Therefore, having been made righteous through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. In verse 8, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been made righteous by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies we were reconciled to him through the death of his Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? As you read the Scriptures, you'll see that this great deception has been fostered in the Christian church today, that you can't walk righteous before God. You're always going to sin. And for that reason today, many of you have stifled your conscience. You don't believe it's possible to be clean before God. And you discount the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and make it of non-effect in your life. And in so doing, you become very religious but not Christian. Today I want to ask again the question, do you believe you should go on sinning, that you can't help it? 
that that's just how it is? That's who you are? Come on, be honest with me. If that's what you believe, it's because you want to make excuses for your sin so that you can remain in your sin. Because you love your sin and you have a sentimental attachment to a cotton candy Jesus. You have a religious experience, but not a righteous experience. Romans, the sixth chapter, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism and death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If you are not living that new life, it's because you have not been saved. You are lost. The most desperate need in the Christian church today is to give up the sentimental belief that I am saved in the midst of my sin. You must turn from that wicked belief if you are to enter into the kingdom of heaven. I know everyone teaches against that. That's why I opened yesterday's broadcast by saying we must have a firm understanding of the literal words of Scripture and not allow anyone to deceive us into believing that we somehow can have standing with God in the midst of our sin. What would you think? If Jesus says to Peter, Peter, yes, get out of the boat, come to me, walk on the water. And then Peter begins to sink as he's walking on the water, and Jesus says to him, Go ahead and sink and drown, Peter. When I come back the second time, I'll resurrect you. No. Jesus immediately reached out his hand. He grabbed a hold of the hand of Peter, and he drew him up out of that water. That water is a symbol for absolute sin and confusion. And Jesus walked on top of that water. He was not down under it. He was washed and clean. He never sinned against God. He was baptized according to the rule that was understood. But his baptism did not wash away sin because he never sinned. But Peter, on the other hand, was a sinner. And he got out on that water and immediately he began to sink. And those of you who believe you have to walk in your sin say, Jesus is just going to let me drown in my sin. What utter, wretched foolishness before God. It is not the will of God that you should drown in your sin. It is the will of God that you should be grasped by Jesus' hand and drawn up out of that addiction or drawn up out of that sin and drawn into the presence of the Holy Spirit and to walk in absolute victory. What kind of a God do we worship? who would send his son to die on Calvary's tree and then leave us in our sin. Sin is miserable. It is wretched. It is heartbreaking. It is utterly destructive. If I could justify sin, then then sin could endure forever. But there is no justification for sin. Sin is rebellion against a perfect and holy and righteous and loving God. There is no reason, there is no justification for sin. And so today, if you're walking in sin, and it is habitual sin, then you are not saved. You are lost. If you are saved, you are walking free of sin. You're not lying, you're not cheating, you're not stealing. The works of Christ are being done in your life, for Christ lives in you. The hope of glory lives in you. Jesus dwells within you, and what he does in you is righteous and clean. But it requires a crucifixion, it requires a death. I recognize 
intellectually I can present this. I can show you the meaning of the Greek words. I can quickly destroy the arguments of the eternal security people because they're not in accord with the word. They take the verses out of context. They twist them for their own meaning. But there has to be a recognition that there needs to be conviction in your spirit, conviction in your soul. And if there is not conviction in your spirit, and if you just believe I'm saved in the midst of my sin, and you quash that conviction, you stifle it, you believe you're fine, then what hope is there for you? What hope is there for you? The great sin that is called unpardonable is when we say the work of the Holy Spirit is that of the devil. And so if you begin to be convicted of sin and you just say, oh, that's, the, that's just the devil, I'm saved, then you are on your way to committing the unpardonable sin for which you cannot be forgiven. Please, I beg of you, do not go down that road. Instead, quicken Quicken your heart, humble it before the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, come and show me my sin. Come and point out where I'm walking in rebellion against Jesus. Uncover for me the wickedness of my heart. As you pray that, you may just feel coldness. You may feel nothing. But if you continue to press the promises of God, that conviction will begin to grow in your heart and it will grow into salvation. I'm Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. I want to give you an address. I need to hear from some of you as the Holy Spirit prompts you. It's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I'll give you that address one more time. The National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. We worship every Sunday at the All Saints Anglican Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. It's located right next to the Hilton Memorial Chapel on Gideon Drive, 14851. Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia. You're welcome to come. 12 o'clock noon, join us at the National Prayer Chapel. Now also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Share it with a friend. Share it with your family. Now let me pray. Almighty God, I ask today for conviction in the heart of your people. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.